Give God a praise in this place today. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you today, God. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Praise the Lord. While you're standing, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And then we're going to let you be seated right after that, I promise. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. If you uh, have the Bible app, our notes are in the Bible app as well. Uh, you can certainly go to the App Store, the iTunes Store, the uh, Google Play Store, whatever it is, Android device, whatever you have. And uh, God, I thank you for today, and I thank you for this moment. Thank you for the corporate worship that we've had together, for those that all gather here in the house to worship you. And above all, we thank you for your word. It's your word that you've established and your word that is written for us, for us to digest and to receive this morning. Uh, Hebrews tells us that your word is a double-edged sword piercing in the, into the innermost parts of us, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I pray that that happens today in this place. We give you all the praise and all the glory. God's people said, amen. So be it. give the Lord a praise as you're seated in the house. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are in a second week of a three-week journey talking about just faith. Last week, if you were here last week, wave your hand in the air like you just don't care. All right. We, uh, we had a fun little time. Hopefully last week you had some breakthroughs in your life. Man, the altars were packed, and I believe we're going to see the same thing today. And, and we just challenged each other to take God out of the box and how God can take our boxes, the things that we stuff in them and the things that we cram in them, the things that we try to hide and to get by, and all of our disappointments, our fears, our failures, all of the challenges in life, we put those in those boxes. We limit God often when we put God in that box. And so last week was about taking God out of that box. And hopefully you burned the box. Hopefully you left it here at the altar. And um, you see there are no more boxes up here. We, we uh, put them in the place where we put boxes and bad children. So um, we put them up there. But we've been talking about faith. What I want us to do collectively together, I'm going to ask everyone whether you're really buying into this or not, I want you to humor me because I have a unique point of view. I'm the only one person looking this way. Everyone else is looking this way. So for those that are on the front row, it's tough to see what's behind you. If you're on the back row, you're kind of like me. You can see everything in front of you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your phone, your iPad. Some of you actually carry around pen and paper, and that's awesome. You can pull that out as well. I'm going to ask everyone in some way, somehow, whether you write it down with pen and paper, whether if you, uh, maybe you're like me, a lot of times to, to remind myself, I'll send myself an email. Does anyone else do that? Maybe you're doing that right now. Don't forget to do this. Holly does that. She sends me her honey honeydew list via email. Isn't that great thing about technology, ladies? You you know you don't have to post it on the refrigerator anymore. You can just email your husband. So no matter where he, Aaron's digging his out right now, he's like, let me get my honeydew list. Listen, and so I want everyone to get out their iPhones and their uh, their iPads, your, your, your pen, your paper, whatever you have. And I want you to write down, this is just between you and God. Uh, you have all service to think about it. But what are you believing God for? If you could have a blank there, if you could fill that in, what are you believing God for? It could be for a miracle, a healing in your body. Maybe you've been troubled all year with migraines or arthritis or 
bursitis or anything that ends like in an itis. Um, maybe you've, um, you've had fear. Maybe you've had trouble sleeping or uh, maybe you've lost someone recently who was close to you and you're still dealing with the grief and lo- of losing someone. Whatever that blank is, what are you believing God for? If you're here today as a couple, maybe it's something that you're believing God together for. We want a healthier marriage. We want our marriage to be more sustainable and healthy. And uh, we're believing to get out of debt this year. We're believing God to save our children, save our grandchildren. Uh, maybe for the students in the house, maybe we have some that you know, believe in God to save my dad, save my mom, or heal someone. Whatever you're believing God for, I want you to write that down. It's important that we write things down. I don't know if you journal in here, but just kind of a quick sidetrack note, I would encourage everyone to begin the process of journaling, writing things down. I do it often, and it's a great joy to go back a year from now or or months from now. I do this in my workouts in CrossFit. I'll write down, if I hit a PR, if I hit a personal record, I'll write that number down so that I can go back and see on that day, I hit this number. So I got to hit a higher number next time. Or in life, if something great happens, you know, write it down, journal it. Journal what happened throughout your day so you can see God moving. You can have something definable, something quantitative that you can track throughout your life, how you've seen God move throughout your life. It'd be a cool thing when you leave this planet, if you left something like that for your kids, they could look back and read your thoughts from day to day, what what dad went through, what mom went through, how God brought them through the faith of someone. That's, it's a beautiful thing. And so write down, what are you believing God for? Maybe you're believing God to bring a significant other into your life. Maybe you're believing God to elevate you and promote you where you work. Maybe you're believing God that this is the year that you're going to start a new business. You're going to venture out on your own and you're going to launch into a business. Whatever you're believing God for, I want you to write it down. Write it down. It needs to be something that we put pen and paper together, thumbs and phones together, and iPads and whatever we got. We, we need to write it down. We've got to write these things down. Faith is an interesting thing. We just kind of read in Hebrews chapter 11, one, I think so many of us are familiar with this scripture, but faith is the confidence, if we can put it back up, that what we hope for will actually happen, right? That what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see, the things that we can't see, but we know exists, that what we're believing for will actually happen. I want everyone to say this out loud with me. The things that I am believing God for will actually happen. One more time. The things that I am believing God for will actually happen. Saying that's what faith is, that it will actually happen, and it gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. So, you know, when you're, I don't know if anybody actually balances a real checkbook anymore, but those days when we used to balance a checkbook, you know, you'd write a check, and in the back of your checkbook, you would, now we have online banking, and it does it all for us. And, you know, if you're trying to move from the red to the black, you know, you're trying to get your ledger uh, uh, with, with instead of all kind of red markings in it, which means negative, you know, and you want to move it into the black, which is positive, um, Maybe there's a whole generation that doesn't even know what I'm talking about. I was like, what's he talking about right in the back of a checkbook? I didn't know there was a back of a checkbook. What's a checkbook? Trust me, it's there. And, and we used to, before online banking, we would, we would keep track of what we spent 
and what went out and what came in. That was our track record of knowing that was how we journaled financially. And we would journal and write down financially what was going on in our lives and have faith in God to do what he said he would, what he would do. The faith in God that he'll actually do the things that we're hoping he will do. It reminds me of the story about a businessman. His business was failing and he was just having a hard time getting by, paying his employees, let alone paying himself, paying the mortgage on his facilities. And he was at the point where he was just going to close up shop. He was going to let everyone go. He was Honestly, he was ready just to leave his family, leave everyone. He was so ashamed the business was failing. And he was at his last resort, didn't know what else to do. He visited a local church and talked to the local pastor, told the pastor a story, cried all through it. And afterwards, yes, yeah, the pastor said, Pastor, what should I do? The pastor's reply was, well, here's, here's what I want you to do. He goes, I want you to take a chair, a beach chair, and I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to put those in your car, and I want you to drive to the beach. Once you, get, once you uh, get to the beach, I want you to take that beach chair, and I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to sit at the edge of the water. After you sit down, I want you to open up the Bible. Once you open up the Bible, the wind will come along, and it will begin to rifle through the pages. And once the wind stops and the pages come to rest, I want you to look down and read the first thing that you see. That will be your answer. So the guy does just that. He takes his beach chair and his Bible, goes out to the beach, and he goes, he sits at the water's edge, and he does all the things that the pastor told him to do. A year later, he comes back to this pastor. He, he pulls up to the church in a brand-new, shiny car. He gets out in his tailor-made suit. His wife steps out in a mink coat. His kids are shining. They walk into the church. He hands the pastor an envelope full of cash. He says, Pastor... It's me. He says, I recognize you. And the pastor says, did you do everything I asked you to do? And he said, yeah. He said, did you take your beach chair and your Bible? Did you go to the beach? He said, yes, sir. He said, did you sit down at the water's edge and open up your Bible? And he said, yes, sir. And he said, did, did, did the wind begin to rifle the, through the pages? He said, yes, sir, it did. He said, and when the wind stopped and, and the pages come to rest, what was the first thing you saw? And he said, chapter 11. Some of you will get that later when you're driving home. Chapter 11. <laughs> we were reading out of Hebrews chapter 11 today. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. I promise you 20 minutes now, someone's going to chuckle because they just got that. Teenagers, ask your parents what chapter 11 is. <laughs> it's time for us as a church, for us as individuals, for us as families, it's time for us to dream big. Look at your neighbor and say, excuse me if I dream big. Some of us are afraid to dream big. We're afraid to share our dreams with others. Have you ever had a dream that, man, it was, I mean, it was like it was alive inside of you. It, it, was, it was something that was alive and tangible and, 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 and you wanted to tell everyone, but you, you were so afraid that people thought, would think that you're crazy. Is anybody else, you would raise your hand and say, yeah, pastor, I've had that. Thank you. Thank you for some honest people in the house. Yeah, I've had those dreams before. And I've had dreams before. I thought, oh man, if I share this with the congregation, they'll all think I'm crazy. You may already think I'm crazy anyways, and I'm halfway there, but crazier. We've all had dreams before. And, and honestly, there is something to it about being cautious of who you share your dreams with. It's actually very biblical. In the book of Genesis, Joseph had a dream. 
that one day he would rule over his brothers. This is the youngest brother talking to his oldest brothers. And guess what? He goes to his oldest brothers and he says, hey, I've had a dream. God gave me a dream and a vision that I'm going to one day rule over you. I'll be your Lord. I'll be your king. Like any good big brother would do, probably mine, they shipped him off into a hole. (laughs) And then they eventually sold him into slavery. So, But in all seriousness, there is something to being careful who you share your dreams to because there are dream killers among us. You know what the scary thing is, church? They look like us. They walk like us. They talk like us, but they don't dream like us. Any dreamers in the house here today? Come on. Let me see you. Let me hear you. Yeah, yeah. You've got some stuff that God has deposited into your heart, but if we're not careful over time, life circumstances, situations, the enemy will begin to bury that dream. He'll begin to push it into a hole. Before you'll know it, you get caught up in paying mortgages and raising kids and trying to get them from one practice to the other and taking care of the sick and trying to volunteer in church and trying to tithe and do all the things you tried to do. And the whole time you've had this amazing dream from God placed inside of you and it receives no attention. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to dream big. It's time that we start dreaming big again. How many have ever been to Disney before? Disneyland, Walt Disney? Yeah, yeah, a lot of us have. Can you imagine if Walt Disney never dreamed? We would have no Disney World. The best thing this side of heaven. Man, we would have no Disney World. What if people never dreamed? What if the Wright brothers never dreamed that we could fly? What if they said, you know what? It's impossible. You know what? The people are right. We can't fly. We're, we're crazy just like they say we are. Let's just give up. There's no point in even trying. Can you imagine if Henry Ford, who's credited with building the first car, and actually he didn't, what he did was create the first assembly line that a car was built on. But nonetheless, can you imagine Henry Ford saying, you know what? There's no way to mass produce a car. It'll never happen. Assembly line, that's a crazy idea for me to put a bunch of workers in a line where they could assemble pieces and parts in the right order instead of one guy or two guys doing it alone. You know, that's a crazy idea. Think about the doctors that invented penicillin, all the things that we have, toilet paper. That's a pretty good invention. I'm just saying, whoever dreamed of that was, that was, that was a good dream. Can you imagine shaking someone's hand before toilet paper? Where do you think the fist bump came from? Anyway, it's time we dream big. Somebody declared today, that's not a declaration. Do you think when they read the Declaration of Independence, they were like, and herefore unto the people today, we liberate ourselves from these colonies. No. Someone declared, today, I am going to start dreaming big. Amen. No more small dreams for you. It's time that we dream big. What about as a church? Are we dreaming big together as a church? Do we believe that we can really reach our community, that we can really reach the loss, that the people that we think cannot be saved, in fact, God is capable of saving them? The people who we think are the lost of the lost, don't you think, as our video said earlier, surely if God can create mountains and time and space and the universe and all the things that exist in the universe, surely God can reach one person. It's time we start dreaming big again and take the limits off of God. Take the limits off of God. 
My first car that I purchased was a 92 Camaro. And it wasn't the SS, it was the RS. It was a rally sport, it had 305 in it. But nonetheless, trust me, you could still tear the tires right off of it. I got this car as I was getting out of my senior year of high school. And um, I, re- I remember, I-, I didn't know what a governor was on a car for all the gearheads in here. Just stay with me. Everyone else just kind of like figure out, look at me like, what's he talking about? But it had a governor on the car. Basically, what that meant was that no matter how far I tried to push the pedal through the floor, the governor would only let me go so far. There, there was more to the engine. The engine had more possibility. But once it reached 105, that was it. And you could get to that speed, and it would just like, you know, it would just kind of flutter a little bit. The engine would decrease. My mom is like, <gasps> she is hearing this for the first time, by the way. And so... And we're podcasting it so you can hear it over and over again. Of course, I learned these things from my brother. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, I remember that. I remember thinking, man, what's wrong with this car, you know? I, I have to take it to the shop. Something's wrong with it. Every time I get up to 105, it just it flutters out a little bit. Then it picks back up speed, and it gets up to that speed again. And then I learned about what a governor was. Not like a governor that sits in the office, although some governors do that, but like a governor on a car. And some of us have governors in our life. We've allowed society, we've allowed this world to place limitations on our dream. We're capable of so much more, but we reach a level that we've we've reached and we say, you know what, I can't go any further. There's no way that I could possibly do more. There's no way that I could possibly be greater. And I am here to expose that lie of the enemy today and tell you absolutely, the Bible declares that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world give God praise today God is greater and it's time that we as a church believe it my goodness Christians if we don't believe it it's not as if the world's going to say something you know what God is greater than everything around here maybe we should start following God we've been wrong all along No, it's us as the church who have to show the world that God is capable of the things that we are believing him for That faith is believing that God can do the very thing that we believe him to do. Whether we see it or not, but to believe God for it. God, you absolutely can change my situation. You can turn things around. You can elevate my life and help me and help me to thrive in my life. Many of us have doubted. We've had a feeling of uncertainty of God can actually do those things that we're asking him. Something I I mentioned last week that I definitely wanted to share this week because we may have part of a different crowd here today because you didn't get to hear it last week. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you want to change your life, you've got to change your vocabulary. Change your vocabulary, you change your life. If you want your life to change, then change the way you talk. See, what happens is our words form perceptions and filters about life. When we begin to think about someone, a certain situation, we think about God, we put a filter on God, and we begin to filter, we look at him through this filter that we have of doubt, of disbelief, of fear, whatever it may be, and we believe that we can't have the very thing that God said we could have. We look at someone else, and we drive up in the car, we'll pull in the parking lot up in the same time, and someone drives in, up in this beautiful, you know, beautiful, nice new truck that's lifted, and, and you pull up in your old hoopty, and it's all duct taped together, and you're just like, oh, see, there goes God blessing somebody else again. I should have got here before that, man. Take that spot. You know, let's park real close to them so they can't open the doors. 
<laughs> but nobody acts like I at church, do they? But all seriousness, you know, and that's the way our mind works. We think as if God thinks like us, but he's not us. Look at your neighbor and say, God is not like you. And when we would want to withhold a blessing from someone just because out of spite, we don't like them and nah, nah, I don't want to bless you. I don't like you. When we act like little kids, and don't act like you don't like that. Don't even lie in the house of the Lord. God is watching. Some stri- lightning's going to strike this whole place. Listen, we act like that. We may not go, maybe you do when their back is turned. Maybe you do it in your car. Maybe you really don't go, eh. But maybe you do it kind of inside like, Lord, tell you what, man, in the name of Jesus, you know. And we act like that God doesn't act, God doesn't just randomly toss a blessing, and if it falls somewhere, it falls somewhere. God doesn't have a dartboard, and he looks over and goes, hey, he gets a blessing today. God's not like that. He's not rolling the dice with our life. God is attracted to faith. People of faith, read your Bible, church. When people had faith in God, God responded to them. He doesn't respond to doubt. He doesn't respond to disbelief. If he would have, he would have responded to you already. He responds to people who have faith day after day, year after year. If it takes a year, it takes a year. If it takes two months, it takes two months. It's not up to you when he does it. Your job, your role is to say, God, I believe that you will do it. Are you with me today, church? Give God a praise today. (laughs) Believe in God that he can and that he will. See, as Christ followers, we take our cues in life from Christ. I, I was thinking about my just final thoughts this weekend about today's notes and where I wanted to go and where I believe God was going to take us. And as I was just kind of meditating on, on the things that I had written down and on this scripture of Hebrews chapter 11, if you follow me on social media all week, I've kind of been posting in chapter 11 things that have kind of just encouraged me and wanted to share them. And at any rate, I began to go through the gospels. And one of the things that, that all of a sudden it just, just, occurred to me that we never read about Jesus crossing his fingers when he was praying to God for a miracle. Can you imagine the woman of issue of blood walking up to Jesus? She pushes her way through the crowd. She touches the hem of his garment. And he's like, you know, who touched me? And finally, he discovers it's her. I'm paraphrasing quite a bit, obviously. And Jesus has his hands behind his back and you've been healed and go about your way. I hope so. What about when he is going to the the home of Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus has been dead for four days and he's been dead. And as he's walking, can you imagine Jesus under his breath? like, okay, this is a big one, God. You know, the water, the wine, I can see that's not a big deal. Even, even feeding 5,000, but this guy's been dead for four days. He's starting to stink, God. What, what are, you know, please, God, please, 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 please. And that's how we pray sometimes. If we're real honest and transparent with one another, can I tell you, there's been times where I prayed like that. Please, God, please, 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 I beg you, I beg you, I beg you. Please, 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 I beg you, I beg you, I beg you. Please, please, I beg you, I beg you, please. Please, I beg you, I beg you, please, and please, and beg you. But we don't have to pray like that. The Bible says if we have faith in God, if we have faith that when we approach a loving, caring God, that he doesn't look down on us with the, like an anvil ready to strike down fear and, and make us bow down to him. But when we come to him out of sincerity of heart and with pure motives, and we say, God, I want you to heal me. 
Touch my life. Touch my marriage. Change this situation. You know what? Often church, sometimes you have to pray more than once for something, don't you? Sometimes you have to learn the process of pushing into God, don't you? Oftentimes you have to be like that woman with the issue of blood or the lepers who had to push their way through the crowd. You have to push your way into God, push your way into that blessing, push your way into his presence, push your way into God and get the closer to him and say, God, I believe you every day. I'm going to believe you. You know what? I'm not walking by uh, sight. I'm walking by faith because God, I believe in you. I'm going to keep pushing and I'm going to keep pressing. And and when the world pushes back on me, I'm going to push even harder and I'm going to find people that have faith like me. And then I'm going to get some to help me push on my back so that two of us are pushing in the same direction. Amen. See, that's what a church mobilized together in faith is, that we're all pushing together. We've locked arms and, and we're pushing together and we're pushing. I'm going to ask Nick to join me up here. Give Nick a big hand. This is one of my buddies in church. This guy works behind the scenes so much. He, he does so much around here. You don't even see all the stuff that he's doing sometimes. Nick's a big, strong guy. Man, I can, I can feel his muscles through his shirt. It's it's crazy. Noah, would you join me up at the front here? Noah, give Noah a big hand as he's coming up here. These are two big guys. These are two big guys. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Noah's going to face me. This, this isn't even fine. This, this is over before it started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't give it. <laughs> so, if I wanted to, Noah's going to push against me, really push against me. <laughs> All right. And so real quickly, the king's going to take over the mountain. But <laughs> but when we, when we lock arms and we start pushing together, <laughs> and we start pushing together, guess what? Yeah, I'm still not going to make it. Give him a big hand. But guess what? Two become stronger than one. Are you with me today, church? See, you've been linking arms with doubters. You've been linking arms with haters. You've been linking arms with people that don't have faith. You've been linking arms with people who aren't equally yoked as you, who can't keep pace with you, who aren't as spiritually mature as you. So when you share a dream and you expect them to say, oh, praise God, God's going to do that dream. God's going to give you that business. He's going to give you that promotion. They say, well, I don't know about that. You sure you're, you're qualified for that? And you you got to start linking arms with somebody who's got some real faith. So when push comes to shove, you can shove back. Give God a praise in here today. Link arms with somebody who knows how to pray. Link arms with somebody who's got some faith, who's walked some miles in life, who's seen God do some stuff. That's why I love our older generation here. I love to sit down and talk with them. I love to hear my grandparents talk about what God has done in their life. It gives me faith to know that I can make it too. It's time we link arms with people who, who have amazing faith, who've seen God do incredible things. As Christ followers, it's up to us to take our cues from the Lord. I'm going to close with this. I told you last week that I would get to this. And that's simply this. That faith is not something that we just, we put on a shelf. I've joked about this before, but it's 100% the truth. My mom has a, in her house, she's got a, a, a closet, like a big walk-in closet. It's just dishes full of dishes, dishes she's acquired. Her mother collected dishes and she collects dishes. Therefore, Holly and April are going to collect dishes and we're already collecting them. <laughs> and that's just her thing. She loves them and whatever, you know, 
that's that's fine. I mean, I just some of the things that we're going to inherit someday are dishes, and so the world comes in. We we got a lot of things to eat on, I guess, and so she's got dishes and. <laughs> My dad's laughing because he has to walk around them, and, you know, the grandkids come over. you got to put up the breakables, the, the real important ones and nice ones. You know, nobody can touch those. You just look at them. Like, don't even open the closet door. We keep Harrison, you know, under lock and key when he comes near it. And so, bull, you know, the term bull in the china closet actually would be that. And so, so these dishes, we don't ever eat on them. How, how many married couples in here, you... um. You, you got China for the day you got married or whatever. Yeah, the day you got married. Yeah. Isn't that what they do? Anybody? Thank you. There's a few of us. All right. We did that. Just kind of a word of advice to those about to get married. Don't get China. Have them give you money or tools or something like that. Anyway, we got China. A couple of things. I don't even know where that stuff is at. You probably do. She's probably hiding it from me because I would throw it away. But... But, and I can, I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, in 16 years of marriage, I don't know if I've ever eaten off that china. Now, all the women in the house are like, Pastor Matt, that is not what it's for. Of course you haven't eaten off of it. But in my head, I'm thinking, it's supposed to be used. Faith is not like this fine china that we just set on a shelf and we look at it, we talk about it as if it's something that is just there. It's, it's not an old story and how we acquired it. Faith is like this. My grandparents recently moved to a, a different place, and they moved into a smaller place. So my brother and I, John, and my dad, as we were helping them move, we were dividing up my grandpa's tools. And he had 20 pipe wrenches and 20 saws and all these amazing tools and just just cool stuff, all the, all the guy stuff. And so we're, John and I and my dad, we're like, did you get a wrench? Yeah, I got a wrench. You get a wrench? I got a wrench. All right, we got, we got 10 wrenches here. Just divide that up. All right, did you get uh, a socket set? Yeah, I got a socket set. Here's another socket set. Here. So we're dividing all this stuff up. To me, this is faith is like this. My grandpa's tools that we all got, the three of us, the tools that, that we divided up, every one of them had been used multiple times. I mean, on the, on the monkey wrenches, on the wrenches, you could just tell where it had at one time had bitten down and it had torque placed upon it. Socket sets, man, there might have even been one missing because at some point it was used somewhere and it got knocked off and fall, fall off, fell off somewhere. I mean, that's what faith is. Faith is, what good is a hammer if it never strikes the head of a nail? Are you with me today, church? Look at us a saw if it never rips through a piece of wood. That's what faith is. Faith is something that we use. We don't just bring it to church with us and we let everybody see it like fine china. Oh, here's my faith. Here it goes into the bucket. I'm writing this check of faith. Did everybody see that? There it goes. Faith isn't something that on holidays we talk about. Oh, Jesus really died a real death and resurrection. We have communion. And let me show off my faith here. Faith is something that you do that is, you know, when you're limping into work, it's what's helping you limp into work. When you don't, come on, when you don't want to go back to the doctor because you are afraid of what the report might be, faith is with you the whole time saying, it's not over till I say it's over. I hold the keys of death and the grave. So no matter what the doctor says, it's not over till I declare it's over. 
when you don't want to go home because you don't want to face your spouse because you're afraid of the word divorce is in your house. Faith that says, you know what? You don't have to go in alone. I'm walking in with you. You're not going to face that situation alone. Are you with me today, church? When the devil has been trying to destroy you mentally and tell you that you can't make it, that you're not going to live, that you're going to kill yourself, that you're better off dead, faith begins to lift its voice inside of you and says, you are not going to die, but live and see the blessings of the Lord. Stand on your feet today and give God a praise in this place. I said, give God a praise in this place. Faith praises him in spite of what you see. Faith praises him in spite of what you feel. Faith says, you know what? I'm going to worship him anyways. When it's tough, when I don't feel like it, I'm going to use my faith to live this life, to glorify God. See, Jesus didn't die so we could have a safe faith. He died for a dangerous faith. At the end of my life, when I lay in a casket, whenever that is, if I go in the rapture, at the end of my life, I want to have used up every bit of faith that God gave me. I don't want any left over. I don't want to have any faith to give to my kids. I want to have used it all. Are you with me today, church? I want my kids to be able to say, man, my dad lived a dangerous faith kind of life. He did something with his faith. Are you playing it safe, church? Are you in here today and you're playing it safe on the sidelines? Oh, I love singing on Sundays and and, and I love, you know, just just doing a little bit for God. Or, or, Or are we living a dangerous faith today? Something that's costing us something. A dangerous faith. Let's do something with our faith. Let's sing and worship the Lord today. Listen, if you're here today and you're ready to start dreaming big, I mean, you're ready to start living with a dangerous faith. You're you're ready to dream the big dream that God has, the things that maybe you've forgotten about that have been buried deep down, and you believe today with faith that God is going to resurrect those dreams, those dreams for a better life, a better home, a better car, a better marriage, for that that thing that you've been believing for, that thing that you wrote down for, I want you to join me at the front. I want you to make a bold step. Come quickly. Say, Pastor Matt, I'm going to start dreaming big today. I want those dreams back today. Come on, if that's you, make a bold step. I want to dream big again today. I've let the world tell me to dream small. Set a fire down in my soul. I want more of you, God. We're going to sing it out. More are coming. You can kneel and pray, but I want you to declare that thing over your life. Whatever you wrote down, Whatever you wrote down this morning, begin to speak it out in faith. If you want your life to change, change the way you talk. Hallelujah.
Amen. No more small dreams. No more small dreams. Before we go today, those that are praying, continue to pray. I want us to make this declaration out loud together. I'm going to ask everyone just to repeat this after me. Everyone say, no more. Say it, say it louder, and, and I, I want, want the devil to hear it. You know what I mean? We, we, we've got we've to just not speak it, but speak it in faith. Say, no more small dreams for me. From now on, I only dream big dreams. God dreams. God dreams. God-sized dreams are in my future. And his favor will be upon me. Upon my family, upon my life, upon my finances, I will see the blessings of the Lord in my life this week, this week, this week. Give God a praise today. Hallelujah. Set a fire. Set a fire.